0: Welcome to Restless, a podcast doing a post-mortem on the young, restless, and reformed. I am your host, who has not graduated from Sam seminary, Matt Klein, and I am joined, as always, or as I always will be, by Pastor Michael Bowman. This is...
1: Always. I will <laughs> always be here. Always.
0: As long as this show exists, you will always be here. You will always. That's, that is my promise to you. Um... And that is Michael's promise to me. <laughs> um, well, welcome to the pilot episode of Restless, which is a post-mortem on the Young Restless and Reform. Um, Michael, I don't know how much you know about TV pilots, but the the quality of the TV pilot, even of your favorite series, to to what they produce for the rest of the, the run of the series is tends to be much, much worse. I don't know. Have
1: you noticed that? Oh, it's so much worse. Yeah. Right. You always do that. It's always you see the pilot uh, and then you watch a series and then you go back and you watch the pilot again and you're like, oh, wait a minute. This was absolutely horrible. Can can
0: you imagine what it was like when you couldn't just watch 10 episodes in one sitting of a show and you just had to guess, like, is this show going to be good? Because you have to do all the awkward introductions. You have to kind of say, like. We live in Colorado and we're doctors, and I'm the mean doctor, right? And you have no money.
1: You have to set it all up. Yep.
0: And so, happily today, that's what we're going to do. We are going to happily pilot the Restless podcast. And so, we will do all of the awkward pilot things. And so, if you thought, if you end up thinking this episode went well at all, Well, look forward to many, many more fruitful and enjoyable episodes where we will do, um, yeah, just some some kind of a a critique, um, a conversation about different aspects of the young and restless and reformed. Um, And actually, if you are a young, restless, and reformed person still, if you still self-identify that way, I know we are all about self-identifying these days, please contact us. We we will get you on the show. Stand. <laughs> if you're still out there, <laughs> we will get you on the show. Please stand. let us know. That's right. Well, before we get much further, I guess we should do a little bit of the the introductions. Um Michael, what uh what would you like people to know about you? What do you is there anything what how do you want to introduce yourself um here on our pilot today?
1: Oh, wow. Well, my name is Michael. I'm a a pastor uh, of Christ Covenant Church in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh, We are a church that is uh, a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Um, I live in a a house that my mom grew up in uh, that is on land that my family has lived on for seven generations, uh, at least with my children being the seventh generation. Uh, I am a husband uh to emily i'm a father to three Haddon, martin and eliza and i am uh very excited to talk about these these many things i know there's so many directions that we could go and so many things that we could talk about uh but i am very excited to kind of delve in a little bit
0: yeah yeah i i am too um yeah my name is matt i am also married um, and I have two kids. I am a current seminary student. I am on the long track. I am on the the uh, half a decade or more track of to graduate seminary. And I am, yeah, have done various ministries and, uh, yeah, work. Um, and so I actually am. I'm so happy to be here. And I actually think how this podcast came about is maybe. A good thing to pilot on. It really came out of as I got to know Michael more. Michael and I actually grew up that that land Michael has family roots to uh, is very close to the area where um my parents settled um and raised me. And so um our mothers go way back as far as I can tell. Um and so as Michael and I as adults have just begun speaking and as I um have actually become a member of the church um, where Michael serves. Um, We got to know each other and began to have these kinds of conversations. And so one day at a local pizza place where all great ideas are born, we decided we would do a podcast on these things, which I'm excited about because I just enjoyed the conversations. Um, And so from there, we decided we we would talk about how both of us became reformed which there are probably people out there uh, that may not even know what that means but this is how we've come here because we both came through at least to some degree I, i i'll happily admit it i became to whatever degree i am reformed it began in the young restless and reformed what about you michael
1: yeah, very much so. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to like directly place things. This is I, I sometimes feel, and we've talked about this, that you know, I'm probably not the right person to talk about this stuff, not because I wasn't very much like uh, kind of swept up into this movement, but I was never like close to the center. I, I, I didn't go to much of like the big conferences or anything like that. but I read a lot of the books. I listened to so many. Uh, sermons uh, from a lot of these guys, uh, but but that that is I think true uh, that my introduction to uh, the whole idea of of Calvinism at first specifically you know uh, referring to kind of Calvinistic understanding of salvation, uh, moving from that like that that came through the you know the the teaching ministries of many of these big names, right? Mark Driscoll, Matt Chandler. And it was kind of through that that then, you know, I began to move into uh, hearing from others like R.C. Sproul. Yeah. Uh, and right. from there that, you know, I was able to kind of uh, continue my understanding, my growth uh, into this more historic understanding of the faith. Yeah. I, I think we probably should be very clear. Michael and I are
0: as about as far as possible from the levers of power and influence <laughs> inside of that's right evangelicalism, or as we will lovingly call it, Big Eva, or Reform Landia. I I mean, it it are we the right people? It, it it is a good, it's a reasonable question. I you know I'm very familiar with I'm a I'm a big I'm a big podcast consumer, um, which is maybe why I'm willing to give this a try and i just don't think that there is anything in this niche and so the reason i'm i'm willing to try it is because this was listed as one of times top 10 thoughts that were going to change the future and i believed it i bought all the hype man i was i was there i w- you know i was going to find my way to one of these i was going to find my way to one of these power centers right whether it be in Seattle at the time, DC, New York. Now I can't imagine doing that, but but what happened? Right? That's what that's what we're here. That and and I think there are a lot of people that are like you and I that that it was it was how they spent their spare time, right? On on podcast sermons with the books. Always excited when they do a conference cuz they drop like eight sermons, right? Man, sermons. What a that's right! What a cool thing! Um, and now, it it that that time is is over, is it? I mean, am I
1: right or or no? What do you think? I think so. I mean, I I can't imagine it being more over. Uh, it it seems as though you know what what began as this. You know, somewhat more cohesive movement, although it really was never, you know, I mean, this, it's not as though you had like a denomination or a church or anything like that. You have these kind of quasi-denominational groups, these kind of, you know, conference circuits and and publishers and blogs and all of these different kind of little things coming together, all these different like parachurch organizations joining together, especially around certain celebrity pastors uh pastors that kind of you know gain a larger following uh whether again it be through their uh sermons or through their writing and uh, all of those things kind of converge together you know around you know uh, that you know this is the the together for the gospel kind of thing right? right like the T4G we're, TGC right. all of the we're, letters we're, and like we're all going to come around these like these Little things. We're all going to join together, and it seems like some of that has continued in various ways. But uh, there's definitely been a, a, a breakdown. The the movement itself doesn't seem to be near as cohesive as it was for that you know that short window of time. I don't know, maybe a decade at most, where it seemed like okay, everything was kind of coalescing around certain figures, certain groups, certain organizations, uh, and then it began to kind of fracture. And split apart uh, as it became clear like maybe uh, these these small doctrines uh, are not enough to hold us all together mm-hmm. uh, and so that kind of started to diverge you didn't have accountability systems uh, where all of a sudden you know you would have these scandals amongst somebody and you didn't really know what to do because you're not a church you don't have disciplinary power but Also, you're kind of connected through church planting networks or through uh, these, you know, uh, different uh, councils on things. Right. And so, uh, you know, it it does seem that there has been a a massive divergence, but there is still little streams that have kind of carried on from that, you know, one movement. What
0: what Michael just shared is he may have just teased, which is something you should try and do in a pilot. He has just kind of teased the direction of maybe— Four or five more episodes with the amount of content he's, <laughs> he's 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 shared with you there, and and some of the directions we're going to go. I I've realized that this is that the that maybe it's zenith was was ten was ten years ago. So let's make sure we have said what is new Calvinism, neo Calvinism, or as as we're as we call it um, the YRR the young restless and reformed before i i answer and i'll i'll give a little bit even um i'll even get a i'll even go find some good journalism for you give you an answer um michael what what is this movement that you and i were were brought into that had had this conf- these conferences what what is it if you were to try and explain it to maybe maybe a just someone who's who's not familiar with it.
1: So really, I, you know, I, this is why I say, am I the right person for this kind of podcast? Because uh, I'm not going to give you the right official answer. Uh, I never even read Colin Hansen's book. Uh, like, I don't But he I might don't know. for this show, uh, right? But he what, might like, for this show. What I would, uh, how I would explain it to somebody is basically you have, especially like it – it kind of, uh, you know, we can kind of look back about a decade ago, you know, around 2019, 2010. It's kind of like the the, the pinnacle in some ways of, of what it was, but it had been building for uh, several decades where you have within broader American evangelicalism, uh, you have uh, certain figures uh, that began to teach aspects of the Reformed faith, specifically Uh, a Calvinistic soteriology. Sometimes this is, you know, uh, broken out as, you know, tulip. But uh, basically, just to simplify it the most, just to say, you know, that God is sovereign in the salvation of sinners. And uh, it was focused in kind of that area, and there, you know, uh, you could point out uh, many different figures that kind of more or less popularized that, right? John Pipers, John MacArthur, uh, the you know, R.C. Sprouls of the kind of American evangelical scene. And that kind of bled into more popular culture. It, it. And then you have certain figures that take up those things and uh, try to mix them with maybe uh, you could call it cultural relevance, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, mm-hmm. that want to make it look good. And so those are kind of the two major things that came together it seems within American evangelicalism that yeah. birthed this movement. I, I
0: I I think yeah, I think the simplest way to describe it is that in what probably a conservative wing of evangelicalism there was excitement over what um is called the doctrines of grace, God's sovereignty and salvation. There was a there was an excitement about it and that different people and talking about it in different ways right they they were all these different emphases but that this was going to this was going to shake some things up right and so there were people talking about branding right there were it became cool right
1: um it was very cool and it was it, i mean it was hit this was the cool stuff and, man sequence jeans and all yeah
0: and let me be really really i think i think this is fair you tell me if you are in a a reformedish circle. If you are in one of these, uh, if you are in a sphere of of any of the people Michael has talked about, um, or you've read books, or you've read from these websites recently, the reason that is in the mainstream as much as it is, is because of New Calvinism, is because of the young, the restless, and the reformed. Because you can talk, and 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 we probably will the the old calvinists, the confessional calvinists, they've been around forever. And I had never heard of them. they were here them. the whole time. I had, I had never heard of them.
1: I I did not know that they existed. Let,
0: let me let me put it this way. The church where Michael is a pastor, Michael is a presbyterian pastor, uh a, a, of the real kind of presbyterian churches. And that church is I don't know, what is it? A 2-minute walk. From the church I grew up in?
1: Oh not yeah, it's like it's like a minute. I mean we, One minute. I have to describe it as it shares the parking lot with this much larger church. I had basically. no idea what that church was growing up. No idea. Couldn't have told yep. you anything about it.
0: And so and I and I think that's and I think that is is what it gets the case. And so, you know, why do why does it why did it get this term young, restless, and reformed? It comes from um Colin Hansen who Michael already mentioned, wrote a book called The Young, Restless, and Reformed. And he was working with Christianity Today and trying to identify these trends in Christianity. And so a lot of the other um, writers at that time at Christianity Today were really interested in this thing that is totally dead and deserves no podcast called the emergent church. Totally dead. I think that's gone. And
1: I have not heard that term in so long, but it was... All the rage to talk about. That's right.
0: And and Colin Hansen noticed in the—he uh, was a seminarian, apparently, at the time. And he noticed in the college ministry where he was serving, he didn't see anyone reading those emergent books. He didn't see that gaining popularity. He saw them reading John Piper and listening to sermons from these, these new Calvinists, these conservative evangelicals. And so he kind of went on this trip, this, you know— interviewing these people about what where is this coming from and and he and he titled what was happening the young the Restless and reformed that it was a that reformed as we've kind of already been loosely talking about that but that it was with a lot of young people and young leaders and and that young people were attracted to it and restless maybe that they weren't satisfied with the the kind of the kind of evangelicalism, as they had known it. And so, uh, let me just read to you just a, a very brief snippet about what uh how Colin Hansen described this new Calvinism. He said, um, they held to the five points of Calvinism, um and, and and but none of them spoke about Calvinism unless they asked about it, which is interesting. Um, they expressed worry about evangelical accommodation to postmodernism and and criticized the business models that some churches used. To grow, uh, they would only kind of joke about the difference they had with historic issues like baptism, church government, eschatology, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, they drew unity as Calvinist evangelicals, and their concerns were with seeker-sensitive churches, church growth, marketing, um, manipulative rival techniques, and as he already mentioned, the postmodernism, and that that is kind of. It it came out as kind of a reaction to that, um, that that is what the YRR is. That is what we are doing a post mortem of, um, today. So here's the question, Michael: Are we ten years too late? I know I know you're on the just cutting edge of an American pastor with a podcast. Just at, that's right. At, <laughs> at, uh, <laughs> no one's ever done it before. Uh, there are not enough podcasts. I know. I know you're on the cutting edge but he, do you think this is still relevant today as as we I, I guess what I'm just walking through is every objection like why a person would when a person hears what we're doing are they going to keep listening right I guess maybe that's what I'm doing and I don't I don't know if that is too self depreciating or not but I want to know do you th- do you think this is still relevant
1: So the reason it's relevant is not because New Calvinism is still this super relevant thing, right? It's not because uh, Mark Driscoll is still uh, top of the podcast charts all the time on iTunes and everybody is talking about his, you know, uh, latest latest gaffe on stage. Although maybe that still happens, I don't know. Uh, I I I would know. uh, Like the the reason that this uh, we think anyway that this is relevant is because we think that there are a lot of guys, basically like us, uh, who either uh, came through this movement and are now at the place where we would say, okay, I I have a, I believe, better understanding now of uh, kind of a a, a comprehensively reformed faith and what that looks like to live out in ordinary life. And it's no longer maybe driven by a celebrity culture or a a kind of revivalistic culture. Uh, We are uh, kind of uh, at the place where maybe you could say we're no longer restless, uh, we're we're growing out of that and growing up, uh, but we still kind of look back and want to know, okay, what happened here, right? W- what what was the purpose? Why did God allow this to happen? Uh, what good has come out of it? What was bad about it? I mean, we want to you know uh, talk about this thing that we have been a part of and influenced by. Uh, especially as even in the last couple of years, you do have uh, you know high-profile members of this movement uh, falling away from the faith yeah. and denying Christ or things like you... that. Uh, and then on the other hand, I, I think there are a lot of guys like us too who uh, are maybe not quite there yet, uh, who still have learned a lot from that movement, but are sitting in their you know kind of typical evangelical church. They wanted to see some changes happen. Uh, Those things haven't happened, except maybe you know the Gospel Coalition articles are now shared around a little bit more. But nothing's really changed, and there's still that kind of restless element, still Mm -hmm. a little uh, bit of uh, disappointment in where American evangelicalism is, but are not sure where to go from there. What are the next steps? What does faithfulness look like?
0: I want to... I want to... stake my flag in the ground that it is relevant today now i think michael and i for very for different reasons i think we probably live in a bit of a bubble where where these books these conferences i i don't want to say they've well no i'll say it they've lost their luster for us probably um there was well, uh, we will we Michael and I are going to tell our stories through it in a coming episode, and so you'll you'll hear more about that then. But you know, I just did a I just did a quick I just did a quick search Matt Chandler sermons for example. He's still preaching. He's still out there. His sermons reliably get five to ten thousand views on YouTube, not counting any any other source. Right? Um, if you know what the Alexa rankings are, it's, it it ranks every website in the world in most visited. So I just quick looked up. uh, The Gospel Coalition is number 5934. Now that doesn't sound that high, but for every website in the world, a website somewhat dedicated to, I don't know what it's dedicated to anymore, but a website that was dedicated to a resurgence of Calvinism and evangelicalism, to be in the top 6000 websites that exist in the whole world. That's and so I think it is relevant. I think there are tons of men in the in the groups Michael is talking about and I think there are some as I've as I've come to accept it that um there are there are the the old calvinists and that when they they that these confessional churches these I might call them traditionally reformed churches. A lot of a lot of these guys, because that was doesn't in my mind. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, um, or someone can with a with a reaction to this podcast. Um, that 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 the things about the traditional reformed churches. That's never what this was about, really. And so they're not comfortable joining those churches either, <laughs> right? So it's not like I can just. Walk across the parking lot to the church. Now, um, that's right. <laughs> because I get there and it's it's still not what I I thought I was cutting my teeth on. Um, and so it, it, there's this. I think that it's, it's this dissonance dissonance that I want to work through. And so I think the other thing you've mentioned, I, and it sounds like you're you're willing to address it here. Are we going to address this? You know, we were all, we were all together for the gospel. We were all in this together. That was, that was another big thing about this. And it feels like we're splintering now. Doesn't feel so much. We're all friends. Our differences don't matter. As long as you're a Calvinist. Are, what are we going to have to, are we going to have something to say about the splintering, this breakdown, whatever we want to call it?
1: Yeah, I think so. And so uh, you could, uh, in a lot of ways, show that so much of neo-Calvinism was uh, at least driven by, uh, you know, other cultural factors uh, that, you know, kind of moved people in this direction. And we've talked about this before, but this is my analogy for the time that we live in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what's kind of happening when you look all over and it does seem like things are splintering, things are becoming chaotic. Uh, This is within the church and outside of it, at least in uh, Western culture. It seems like there is there is uh, increasing division, partisanship, divides. And so that that kind of, uh, you know, bringing everyone together around kind of, you know, a a, a small group of doctrines, uh, even though we disagree on so many other things, just does not seem uh, near as possible at this point, uh, looking, you know, 10 years later. And, uh, my analogy for this would be to look to, uh, the time of the judges in scripture. And so, uh, you know, I would say basically we are living in the time of the judges. And what I mean by that is that, uh, the time of the judges was a time when uh, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Right. Uh, and, uh, Everybody kind of uh, decided their own way, went that way. Everything was kind of fractured. There was no uh, cohesiveness to uh, the culture at large amongst the people of God. Uh, and in the midst of that, uh, it was very easy for, you know, different groups to begin to kind of splinter off and uh, go their own way, worship idols, turn away from the true God. Uh, and that was just kind of the norm. hmm and uh, what you see throughout the book of Judges is at different times when people do cry out to God, God raises up certain men uh, that are able to uh, judge the people, and uh, a woman in the case of Deborah, uh, and for a time, there is this uh, seeming revival amongst the people, or there there is a, a, it seems as though people are finally turning to God, and you could call it like a revival. You could call it a social movement, whatever you want to call it. Like people seem to be repenting of their sin and really excited about following God all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. But what happens is that uh, these men, at least in the time of the judges, are uh, a reflection of the people themselves. Throughout the book of Judges, uh, the judges themselves that are raised up get worse and worse and worse. Leading all the way to Samson, who, uh, you know, in children's story Bibles, is this great hero of the faith, and in some sense he was right. right. I, I don't want to discount no. that. He was a he was uh, a man he, of faith. He is in as 11, right? He was a man of faith in Hebrews eleven. He, he, exactly, he was a man of faith. But part of the the purpose of the book of Judges is to show you how horrible the situation was that Samson was a hero. Like that's right. like that's how horrible it was because this guy was a hero. He was horrible, right? He was a Flander. He was he was. Uh, he was uh, messing around with all kinds of women. He was just a mess, right? Uh, and the, the best thing about him was that uh, he prays at the end that God would give him just one more chance to destroy his enemies. And uh, so you're supposed to think, wow, things are so bad that God has to use someone like Samson. And uh, I would draw an analogy to kind of the, you know, American Christian landscape over the last hundred years to that. At various times, God has raised up Certain high-profile men, sometimes you know, groups of men that uh, seem to bring about some manner of revival. It seems like people all of a sudden are interested in following God. And you could you could put someone uh, like a Billy Graham in this sure. uh, into sure. this list. You could also talk about people like we're going to be talking about, right? The Mark Driscolls the Matt Chandler's so, those sorts. So of So Michael, men.
0: are you saying Mark Driscoll was our Samson?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to go that that's far, right. but maybe, yeah. right? Maybe, maybe we could say that. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that'll be one of the t-shirts that we Ooh, make. Ooh, that's, that's good. Uh, Mark Driscoll is my Samsung. Yeah. Uh, but what I am saying is that it's, I think you can draw an analogy to say uh, God did do some remarkable things through this movement, despite the incredible flaws in those who were leading it, uh, and those of us who were a part of it—that's right, right. Like it, like those leaders are a reflection of the people. It it goes both ways. In other we, words,
0: we wanted the leaders we got. We wanted we we and we deserved the leaders we got.
1: <laughs> That's right. We absolutely did. And uh, so this is what I would say, though, and here's the hope in the midst of it. And this is what we want to get to. We don't want to just be destructive, uh, and we don't want to just deconstruct we also want to build up and encourage and uh, move toward a deeper form of faithfulness. And uh, the encouragement in scripture during the time of the judges comes from the book of Ruth. I often ask people, you know, what is the answer in the Bible to the book of Judges? Like, what's the answer to the time of the judges? How does God change that situation? And uh, the answer that I get every single time is the monarchy, the king, Mm -hmm. that, like, a a king is given. And that's not technically wrong. Uh, That is true. But there's, in between, uh, there is this book that is often forgotten about uh, between 1 Samuel, when you have the king come on the scene, and Judges, what is this little book? Ruth. It's Ruth. And Ruth starts by saying this happened in the time of the Judges. And uh, what you see in the book of Ruth is nothing flashy right? It, it's not exciting. It's not Samson tearing down pillars, catching foxes and tying their tails together and lighting them on fire. Like it's, it's nothing exciting like that. It's just a, a regular woman who decides to take responsibility for those family members that God has put around her uh, to live day to day in faithfulness to God and how God provides for her in that how god is gracious to her and how god uses that uh in the long run to bring about the monarchy right right R- ruth becomes uh someone that is in the line of king david and later on obviously christ the messiah and so uh so the encouragement is that here we are 10 years out this all seems like it fell apart uh and yes like that was going to happen uh, that was that was inevitably going to happen because of where we are as a people, uh, the kinds of leaders that we have because of what we are like. But the encouragement to that is that what God can do in the midst of a time like this is use everyday ordinary faithfulness, the ordinary means of grace, the ordinary week-in, week-out worship, on the Lord's day, and he uses things like that in order to build his kingdom. And it's not flashy, and it doesn't seem exciting most of the time, and you can't always brand it super well. And it's not as though you're going to get to go and get this conference high and be so excited and and get all these cool t-shirts out of it. It's just going to be regular, ordinary, everyday life, but done in faith to God, repenting of sin, and following after Christ in that way
0: that is the hope in the days of judges that is, the, that is the marching orders as far as we have them to be faithful and I, I think it's a perfect analogy I think we will see the consolation of Israel we will see our king return but until then to go forward in faith and everyday faithfulness Thanks for checking out the first episode of Restless. We'd love to hear from you with any feedback about the show, or if you happen to have Mark Driscoll's contact information for an interview. And right now, just in case Mark or anyone else is wondering how to get in contact with us, you can email us at RestlessPodcasting at gmail.com, and we may use it in a future show. Please do all the subscribing, rating, and reviewing everybody asks for for their podcasts.
1: All right, so think- today I'm going to drive out for the third time an hour away to pick oh, wow. up the pork that we were supposed to get the first time we went out uh, to this Amish processor uh, way out in the sticks who oh, wow. speak almost no English. And uh, that is the world that I live in. <laughs> oh, what? That's so interesting. What language do they speak? They speak, uh, I, I guess, Jim calls it Pennsylvania Dutch.